Chapter forty six of the Pioneers by Catherine Susanna Pritchard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirsty. The albatross was in. Just before midday, carts and carryalls had clattered along the road to the port. Deirdre, riding down from the hills at dawn, had seen the schooner on the dim shining screen of sea and sky. There was no wind, and like a great white bird she hovered outside the bar, waiting for the wind and tide to carry her into the quiet waters of the inlet. It was not until midday that a breeze sprang up, sending white curled breakers high over the bar, and the albatross, on the crest of them, came sailing into the harbour. She rowed, furling her sails, to the logwood wharf on its further side. A crowd had gathered to meet her, and it was early afternoon before the vehicles began to rattle back along the road to the hills in Wirreford. Deirdre stood at the window of McNab's parlour, behind the curtains that had been hung up in her honour, watching them. She saw none of the curious looks and gestures that went her way, the pitiful glances that covered her, for the news of the port that morning beat any the boat had brought. Those who saw the dim white face of the girl at the window, and her shadowy eyes, knew that she was Thad McNab's wife. They knew that McNab had driven Deirdre Farrell into the port before any of them were astir, and that a clergyman had married them in the church there. "'Why did she do it? What could have made her?' they asked each other. "'It wasn't for love of his beautiful face, be sure,' snarled Salt Wilson. "'It's hard on the schoolmaster. He'll not know of it yet,' somebody else said. Deirdre neither heard nor saw them. She was watching for Davy and Dan to pass. She had seen Mrs. Ross and Jessie go by to the port in Cameron's double-seated buggy. She thought they would ride together to the hills in that, Davy and her father. If they knew, they would stop at the Black Bull. If no one had told them, they would go on, she had decided. They would wonder why she was not on the wharf when the boat got in, to meet them. But McNab would not have that. He would not lose sight of her. Besides, she did not want to meet the eyes of the men and women who would be there, and hear what they had to say. She was cut off from the world as she stood at the window of McNab's house, her mind was too utterly weary to reason further. As she watched and waited, a sense of bleak desolation closed in on her. Her eyes ached for the sight of the schoolmaster's form against the clear sky, although she knew she would hardly see it above the buggy and among other people. She asked herself what he would do when he found that she was not waiting for him at Steve's, what he would think when he found the letter that was lying for him there. Steve would have to read it for him. It would break his heart, the letter that she had wept and prayed over, but it was better that his heart should break than that he should go to the island again. And Steve, poor old Steve, would die in peace some day, and be put to rest where they had put Connell. A magistrate, assisted in a fashion by Melachlan and a jury, had duly investigated and found that his tragic death was an impenetrable mystery. An open verdict, they called the finding. Connell's resting place was on a sunny hillside under a blossoming white gum in which the bees hummed drowsily in the springtime, and through which the green parrots flashed all the year. It was good to think that Steve would draw his last breath in freedom, and then sleep there under the blue sky. But for her there would be no freedom, no open spaces. Life had become a prison from which there was only one gate, death, and that she would not be able to open because she was a hostage for other lives. Dan, and Steve's, perhaps Davy's. Cameron's buggy rounded a turn in the road. Mrs. Ross and Jessie were in it, and there was a man's figure beside theirs. Only one, though. 
the horse moving at her slow steady jog-trot drew nearer deirdre saw clearly the man who was driving it was davy the schoolmaster was not with him a panic seized her she flew out to the road the horse stopped automatically where's father she cried davy stared at her he scarcely knew her this wild white-faced creature with burning eyes and colourless lips hasn't he come she asked no he said slowly he got down from the buggy his heart ached at the sight of her he hardly knew how to speak he moved to take her hands she shrank from him why didn't he come because oh deirdre it breaks my heart to tell you he broke out don't look at me like that i did all i could but it was no good some cursed brute gave information oh she whispered it was that then and after a moment they took him again for being at large before the expiration of sentence yes his eyes were all tenderness and pity for her when davy just before we were leaving four days ago don't look like that deirdre i won't leave a stone unturned to get him back and i promised him that we she laughed a strange crackling little laugh deirdre he was perplexed and hurt don't come near me she turned away from him and ran into the house under the swinging sign of the black bull with red-rimmed eyes davy attempted to follow her he saw mcnab in the doorway what the hell's she doing there he muttered mrs ross and jessie eyed each other anxiously they did not speak for a minute then the elder woman said nervously uncertainly perhaps perhaps she came down with steve to meet the schoolmaster but we'd better be going on davy don't risk any trouble with thad mcnad to-day your mother's waiting eagerly for you you're her only thought now all she has got davy climbed into the buggy again his face was sombre he had not got over the shock of his father's death and deirdre's manner wounded and bewildered him he thought that she was distraught with agony and disappointment on the schoolmaster's account he had imagined how tenderly he would tell her what had happened and comfort her now to find her at the black bull not at steve's where he had thought she would be and mrs ross and jessie beside him when he wanted to fold her into his arms and assure her that he would never rest until dan was with them again he swore at every jolt and jar on the road to relieve his impatience it was mrs ross who said to mary cameron taking her aside when mother and son had met and davy was turning bess into the paddock again it's true what we heard about deirdre farrell going to marry mcnab she was married to him this morning you'd better break the news to davy he doesn't know yet i don't tell him for fear he'd go to mcnab i wanted to bring him safe to you jessie and i'll go home now no doubt you'd like to have the house to yourself but if you want anything or there's anything we can do for you we're always glad to do anything for you mrs cameron dear jessie said softly it's a queer heartless girl deirdre is to play fast and loose with the love of a fine fellow like davy mrs ross said when jess was outside setting their bundles and baskets into the cart oh she wouldn't do that deirdre mrs cameron replied it's something dreadful that's driven her to it yes i suppose it is mrs ross sighed poor child perhaps i'm spiteful about it mary but maybe now that she is out of the way davy may think of my jessie again davy's mother smiled sadly 
I'd be sorry for any woman he married but Deirdre, for she has the whole of him, heart and soul, she said. Oh, well, it's a pity, Mrs. Ross kissed her good-bye. Jess had better make up her mind to have Buddy Morrison then, and that's what I've been telling her this long time. He's a good lad, very fond of her, and been wanting to marry her for the last five years. When Jess and her mother had gone, driving off in their high, jolting buggy, Davy and Mrs. Cameron went indoors together. He had aged considerably since she last saw him. It was a stern, strange face to her, this her boy's. There was sorrow, self-repression, a bitter realisation of life and what it means in heartache and disappointment in his expression. Something of power and assurance, too. She was wondering how she could tell him, covering him with tender, pitiful glances, and praying that he would not leave her, that no hurt might come to him. When he asked suddenly, "'Have you seen anything of Deirdre, mother?' He had been moving restlessly about the room, lifting things from their place on the mantelpiece and putting them back again. She called him to her, and putting her hands on his head, told him what Mrs. Ross had said. Davy's face hardened and whitened slowly. He put her hands away from him, and wheeled unsteadily from the room. She heard him go across the yard, and saw him stumbling up the narrow track to the trees on the far side of the hill. End of chapter 46